Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that your words will not pass away. I pray, Lord, that this morning we would begin to live under your word with all the blessings that come with it. I pray, Lord, that we'd be living in your word, all the life that's given through it, and that we would be people of the word. Everything will pass away except that which is in you, that which is founded in and sustained by your word and your spirit. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. So it must have been the Lord that I read the wrong gospel. Because <laughs> I think we were supposed to read a, a, a little bit about um, uh, John the Baptist and his ministry, which is probably mostly what I'm going to be talking about this morning. I'm going to be meditating on John the Baptist and this stage in Advent and how he's very much a part of how we receive the kingdom and what he represents. He teaches us a way of receiving the kingdom. We're talking a lot about the coming of the Lord. And last week we began by saying essential to a heart of Advent is this prayer of come Lord Jesus. And in everything, um, that we desire and, and everything that we wish to retrieve and reclaim in life and everything that we might hope for can be wrapped into that one prayer, come Lord Jesus. Um, this week is a little bit different. I think in some ways it's a little more sobering. You're beginning to see um, the intensity, I guess you could say, of Advent. Advent sometimes called a little Lent. And there, there's an aspect of it that is penitential. We are longing for the kingdom to come. Um, but there's also a realization that there's some things that are wrong with how we're living our life right now. There's things that are wrong in our hearts. There's things that are wrong in the world. And um, it's upsetting, in fact. Um, so I feel a little bit of this tension again. You know, I, on the one hand, I feel definitely the joy that is starting to grow. And I, I don't know if you feel that way when you start to get some of those Christmas uh, hymns and music, they start to come in a little bit early. You can't help it. I mean, it's out there in the world, right? <laughs> no, nobody completely observes Advent the way the church would like you to. But um, some of the joy of Christmas is starting to sneak in, and that's really cool. It's warming and encouraging, and there is appearances of joy. Um, one of the great things of joy for me this week was to, to hear the wonderful news that uh, Jacob Flint Langley was born. Uh, just a couple of days ago. <laughs> so I was just remembering back, she was right over there last week, and boy, was she expecting and anticipating joy to come, and now she's holding him in her arms. And call him Jack, Jacob Flint Langley. What a strong name. I love it. That's just such a great, great name coming from, from Jeff and Christina. So I have this, this um, experience of joy, but also just this awareness, and I don't know what's going on. Is it just my perception, or do you feel it too, that in the world there's a, so many things that are amiss, especially in the hearts of people who have, a public, have the public platform right now. So many of um, the expressions that are coming out of our leaders and our celebrities, and it's in my Facebook feed, it's just kind of like, what's going on in people's hearts? So much seems to be amiss. So many negative feelings seem to be driving people, and so much judgment seems to be coming out of that. And it makes me realize a little bit of what, um, there's that great quote from Alexander uh, Solzhenitsyn. He talks about the, the battle line between good and evil is drawn through the hearts of men. And you, you realize that we're seeing this play itself out. A lot of times we point outward, and we say the problem is in, in this or that, or this person, 
Sometimes it's very personal in our lives. This person is my problem, and, or this system and this political situation is my problem. But a lot of times what the, what the Lord comes and shows us and what John the Baptist comes and shows us is that, no, that the battle lines between good and evil, it's actually through our own hearts. There's trouble that starts in our hearts, but there's trouble that can be healed within our hearts too. And that's part of the ministry of John the Baptist that I want to talk about. Um, you know, we, we prayed this morning that um, the word would begin to rule our lives. And I think in many respects, what John the Baptist does is he helps us come into the word. And that, that happens in two ways. It's both the words that he, um, he remembers from prophetic passages of scripture and that he preaches, but it's also the word who visits him in the wilderness. And um, the way that John the Baptist works is that he... He does sort of an opposite move of what we might expect. If we're realizing that there is trouble in us and in the world, I, I don't know that we would make this move. He goes away from centers of power. He goes away from schools. He goes away from um, governance. He goes away from wealth. He goes away from affiliation in many respects. He goes out into the wilderness. And uh, that's the first thing that caught my attention when I was uh, meditating on, on the uh, passage this morning is the word wilderness. That John's work begins in the wilderness. And if we're going to deal with the motions of our heart and the troubles that afflict us from within, um, we, need to be, we need to, in some ways, get sober. We need to get sober from all of the um, overwhelming indulgence of the noise of our culture, the constant busyness of our culture, the power plays of our culture, the ways that people um, use um, rhetoric to abuse one another in our culture. Something has to happen. We have to withdraw from a lot of these really negative things, and we need to get quiet. I think part of what I'm noticing is that that when, when, we, when we understand what Advent's asking us to do, not only are we saying, come Lord Jesus, but in some ways we also have to say, go away world, flesh, and devil. <laughs> you know, And part of how we do that is we withdraw. And Jesus has that as one of his ways of ministry too. He withdraws. And, and so if you're going to be somebody who's going to announce a kingdom, you wouldn't typically do it. I mean, I don't think Rome, for instance, when they expanded their kingdom, they went off into the wilderness where nobody was. Uh, they, no, they went to cities and they invaded and they, and they took over. I think that's usually how we try and do it. And I think it's because we think that the problem is out there, but John the Baptist and Jesus realizes that the problem's in here. It's within. And so we have to, in some way, withdraw in order to be able to receive. Um, we are asking for Jesus to come, but are we really ready to welcome him? And so John the Baptist gives us a ministry of welcome, a ministry of receiving, and he does it by going into the wilderness. And that's how he becomes ready. Um, he becomes ready by withdrawing and ceasing to operate like the world does. In fact, it's a very intense way of doing that. He cleanses himself of all of that. There's this baptism of repentance that word is, is, is a massive word. Repentance is a massive word. It means a complete transformation of your mind and your thoughts and your feelings and your motives, everything that is amiss in your heart. 
So the evil impulses that are taking you down, the indulgence that's taking you down that you constantly give in to, or the revenge that you take, um, that you indulge in, and the, 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 all of that stuff is being purged through the waters of baptism in John's understanding of repentance. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ministry of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It's a, it's a way to be ready for God coming. And I guess what we're saying is, look, the, the, the rule that we're operating under right now, the reign that we're operating under right now, the kingdom, is, is too much about us. It's too much about what I determine is good or evil. And when I think I'm feeling that this is the good thing, I, I often get it wrong. And when I think that I really need to live my life this way, I'm often getting it wrong. And so I need to, first of all, repent of the idea that I can rule my own life and it's going to end up good. I can't rule my own life if I want it to end up good. I need God's kingdom. God's really the only ruler who has enough wisdom and enough true power to bring about good in my life. Um, I, I think this is maybe uh, one of the things that's most evident to me. I guess I'll, I'll give an illustration. I was, I was reading this week about, um, yeah, there's so many different ways in which um, our hearts lead us astray. And we don't even realize it sometimes that our heart is leading us astray. Like there's this concept in, um, in counseling these days, and I'm sure you've heard it, it's this idea of unconditional positive regard, right? Those of us who've done therapy or received therapy or given therapy, unconditional positive regard. And it's, it's we want to let that person know that we're accepting them and making sure that they know that their emotions are, are valid. Emotions actually are really important. And one of the things we've learned as a church, especially in the last couple of years, is that our emotions are a significant part of what it means to be human. And God gave us our emotions. Um, but there is a distinction in terms of how the scriptures deal with emotions. I mean, it talks about the heart. It talks about the inner springs of the heart again and again. And it, it talks about how we want to imagine ourselves, for instance, in the presence of God. And it creates all sorts of imagery of what it's like to be in the presence of God. Like the holy temple of Israel was a, an architectural way of helping people to imagine what it's like to be in the presence of God so that their hearts and their feelings could be aligned to that. And feelings are important. Emotions are important, right? But there was, a, there was an objective aspect to it. It wasn't just how people felt under their own whim. It wasn't just how people felt under their own pervasive sorrow or their own fear or their own anger or even their desire. It was all of those emotions being informed by the revelation of God. And so then the emotions take on their proper meaning. And then the emotions, when they're brought into the presence of God, actually work to participate in the good that the kingdom has for us. Um, and uh, yeah, I saw a picture this week of, of, a, of a girl that, was, that had just been arrested and it traced the course of her life over the last several years in drug addiction and in, in this whole way of getting, her whole entire face was tattooed. 
and it was a really, you know, kind of demonic tattoo. And you saw that the early days of, of um, the pictures that were available in this little article about her, she was a beautiful, it seemed, um, sensitive soul based upon looking at the picture. But over time, what was happening to her, for whatever reason, I don't know her story completely, her, her feelings and the way that she was living it out, that's what she wanted to do. And there were a lot of people in the culture saying, yeah, do that, that's cool. That's who you are, right? If that's how you feel, go for it. And um, it's like I, I couldn't even see the real girl that was once there anymore. I read an article a couple years ago about a woman in, in Great Britain who was convinced that her right leg was not her leg. It's a kind of body dysphoria. And, and she was convinced that it was an alien leg. It, it was not meant to be her leg. And um, rather than working with her and helping her to understand that something is amiss in her feelings, that something is, is, is guiding her in the wrong way in her emotional state and her relationship to her body, rather than working with her in that way, the, the medical um, people who cared for her decided, well, well, we'll help you out with that, we'll amputate you. And so they amputated her leg. These are like extreme versions of how our heart can really mess with us, right? I mean, what I'm saying to you is something that is really grievous, and I, and I hope you're disturbed in your soul. But now what I want to do is bring it home to us a little bit more who might not have such grievous ways of being misled in our heart. We need to be instructed by God and his words and Jesus and his words. We need to be shaped by him. So we need to withdraw from our own sense of how this is how it should unfold, this is how it should be. And we need to let him speak. So if one of the things that I've been dealing with a lot lately are couples, and I would say in the last several years, who are caught in certain patterns. And the patterns are hurting them. And what I'll see often is that there'll be this initial, like, okay, we've just gone through a crisis and our in our uh, marriage, like say somebody um, maybe was unfaithful at one point, and, and then there's this Christian response, well, I just want to, look, I'm just going to forgive, and we're just going to move on. And then they continue in the same pattern of thoughts and feelings and behaviors, and they expect a different result. And I think that's what we often do, is we don't bring our thoughts, and our feelings under the oversight of God. We don't bring our thoughts and our feelings and behavior under the authority of the word of God. And, and then we still expect different results. And what we're talking about is a kind of repentance that does, doesn't just say, man, I got this wrong. It says, my whole heart needs to be transformed. My whole heart, all of the things that I'm thinking need to be determined by God from above. All the things that I'm feeling and running from or running towards need to be informed by the word of God. So I need to let go of and go my ways and my world and I need to go into the wilderness. I need to let go of the ways that the world is telling me to live too. And I need to go into the wilderness. 
It's kind of like when Israel left Egypt. Egypt was still in their hearts. They had to spend a lot of time in the wilderness. They needed to not just leave the culture. They needed to have their, their culture leave their hearts. And we need that complete transformation of our thoughts and our feelings. That's what we are talking about here with repentance. At some level, the first thing we need to say is, not my will, but thy will. And that's what John the Baptist does. Is he gets us ready to be able to say that. And we can really only say that in the Lord, in Emmanuel, who's with us. Um, I, I think there's something about John the Baptist that is like we have to be willing to do something that's uncomfortable for a little while. And the withdrawal concept that I'm talking about. We used to talk about quiet times or devotions when I was growing up. Have you guys heard of quiet times? Is that, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, like there's the younger generation, I don't know if you've heard of it as much as we, we did when I was growing up. Quiet times and devotions, it was so pounded into my head that I would do a quiet time, and that meant reading scripture in the morning. And it became kind of like a, um, almost like a legalistic thing, and it sort of robbed it of some life. Because I felt like, well, all I need to do is execute on this plan and this program and, you know, I just pull this lever and push this button, and then I'll get some really good results. But, um, and so, in some ways, I had to abandon that version of it. But what I would like to suggest to us is that we actually do need some quiet, and we need to take some time in the quiet, and we need to stop saying what we believe we need and what we think we should have in order to let the Lord inform us so that he can actually reveal our hearts. Our hearts are a mess. He needs to do something with our hearts. So we need to take the time to do that. But the quiet time, it wasn't just that we stopped the noise or we woke up early enough to do that, and I think probably a lot of, a lot of us, we just need to wake up a little bit earlier and do this. And then we need to read some scripture. Do the morning prayer office. Read the scripture. It's really good in Advent. A lot of times it's the exact scripture that we need to help us come into the kingdom. The morning prayer, daily office scriptures in Advent, I commend them to you. And take the time and do it. So that's the wilderness piece that we need the Lord to sort of increase his reign and we need to decrease our reign. That's how um, John the Baptist understands his ministry. The Lord has to increase, I have to decrease. And so he withdraws into the wilderness so that that can be possible. And because he's done this, he actually is able to both recognize Jesus and receive him. He actually receives the Messiah. He recognizes him, and then he's able to receive him. It says, the, uh, this is the other word that caught my attention, is it, it's the word came to him in the wilderness, the word of God came to him. And it, it was, to me, it was almost like a play on words because not only did the word of God as in a prophetic word come to him and he starts to be this voice crying out in the wilderness of all places um, and he starts to fulfill that prophecy that there will be somebody who will prepare the way for the Lord um, as, as predicted in, um, in, um, in well, various prof prophetic scriptures in the Old Testament, but he starts, to, he starts to carry out that ministry, and then the word made flesh actually comes to him. Jesus comes to him, and he sees him, and he recognizes him, and he's able to receive him. Um, and then Jesus, of course, is baptized for the sake of righteousness, and um, 
what Jesus says is, you know, let it be for the sake of righteousness. And I think there's something about the, the spirit that's been made ready in the wilderness that can say, let it be. Um, that can let Jesus come in and have his way. Um, when Jesus went into the wilderness to meet John, he went into this way of repentance and this way of baptism for the forgiveness of sins, not because he was sinful, but because he wanted to make a way for us to experience the righteousness that only comes from him. He goes down into the waters, and from that point forward, those waters of baptism become filled with his presence. He goes down into the repentance that we have failed to make and the transformation that we can't make on our own. And it's not just that we're saying no more to us. He makes it possible for us to say yes to him because he comes in. And the word has become flesh. The word has entered into the way of repentance. And he's done it in this way of humility. And he's begun to transform not just um, the hopes of Israel, but even our subjective state. Like all of my feelings and thoughts that are amiss, because Jesus goes into the brokenness of humanity, he can transform them from within. Now my thoughts and feelings can be reshaped in his presence. So what's different about the ministry of John the Baptist these days is that when we come into the word, we can experience it as the presence of Jesus. It's not just us saying no to my ways. It's actually the possibility that we can say yes to his ways and experience it because Jesus has come into this process. So Advent and everything that we remember about Jesus' life can be um, transformational because Jesus is now in the human experience, including our need for transformation including our need to come in under the word. He submitted to the word for the sake of righteousness. He submitted to the Father's words to him. He submitted to the process of salvation that the Father had set up, that he was the fulfillment of. He shows us how to submit to the word. He makes it possible for us to do so because now he's with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. So when we come into our quiet times in the morning, um, we have the possibility not just of, of saying no to ourselves, but saying yes to Jesus and letting his words actually transform us with power. The way the, the disciples experience his words, they said, you have the words of life. I mean, even when it's hard, and sometimes they're tempted to be driven away, and that's sometimes how we experience it, right? When we're first confronted with the word, and it's touching on a place of fear in our lives, or a place where he's saying, I don't want you to continue to go after that even though your heart is hungering for it. It's killing you. When he's coming in and saying that, that's sometimes hard. And some of the disciples found some of his words hard. But the ones who stuck with him said, where are we gonna go? You have words of life. And they found it to be true. And they discovered again and again that his words were really words of life. So, I guess what I want to commend to us, and I'll, I'll finish with a story, is this way of withdrawal into the wilderness and then submission to the word in the, in the presence of Jesus. Um, do the quiet time. Seek the Lord in the word. 
bring your feelings, your desires and your fears into that as well. And let the Lord reshape you in that place of quiet. You know, um, in one way, shape or form, God's words will hold sway in our life. The story of the second coming is a story of judgment. First comes death and then comes the judgment. It's true for every single one of us. Part of what we're anticipating in Advent is that final judgment that will come. And we can either begin to live in the light of the, of the words of his judgment now and experience it as life and life that is eternal and fulfilling, or we can experience it as, um, as something that we want to stand against, which is just going to lead to our destruction. It's easy to see it in other people, but it's also a factor in our own hearts. Um, John the Baptist gives us a way of living now under the words of God and letting them judge for us what is good and what is evil. Um, if we don't, there's a judgment. Man, that's intense, isn't it? I hate even saying that. I mean, I don't even like to think about this. Um, I, you know, I was this week, one of the most blessed times of, of this, this time of year, every year for me, is when I go to the Racine Vocational Ministry Annual Banquet. And here you hear the stories of transformation and a lot of people who lived with a, a, mi a mindset of criminality where their hearts and their thoughts and their feelings, they really were misaligned. And it's, sometimes it's easier for us to sit back and like, man, those poor souls, I would never have done that. Um, and, and we don't even realize how misshapen and misdirected our own heart is, right? And we stand back in that kind of judgment. But what these dear brothers and sisters have begun to show me is that in one way, shape, or form, God's judgment is either going to be of life for you now or it's going to hit you really hard later. And it's like, what do they call that? Um, reality bites, man. Sometimes reality bites, and we, one, of the, one of the testimonies that we heard um, from the, the ministry of this past couple of years is a guy who had a really successful career. I mean, he was, he was on top of the world from a worldly standpoint. He was driving a Mercedes, and then he's convicted of, I think it was drug possession. And the next thing he knows, he's in prison for years. And he's lying half naked on the cement floor of his prison cell saying, how did I, how did I get here? How did I go from being up here to being down here to the point where I have nothing? And then he heard the word of God come in to him and say, you don't know how much you need me until I'm all you've got. That was amazing. He said, I actually heard the voice of God. You don't know how much you need me until I'm all you've got. Oh man, I need him. I need him. That's, that's something I... I really hear is I need him. And I think if we will withdraw into the wilderness and we'll realize, look, I'm not okay. And the way that I'm running things is not okay. And the ways that my feelings and my behaviors continue to play themselves out, they're going to continue to deliver the same result unless I come into this place where God is running it and he's running the show. And I'm letting go in order to receive and welcome the Lord and his good blessing of the kingdom of God. Please pray with me. Lord, uh, 
We're just grateful for Advent, grateful for the season where we can expect joy. We're grateful that you're with us in the journey. And we're grateful too, Lord, that you've transformed the way of repentance so that it's not anymore um, just us. It's something that you're, you're filling with your presence. Lord, I pray for each and every heart. You know the things that may be misdirected. I pray that you would give them the grace to follow John the Baptist into the wilderness. I pray that um, your presence would make that a safe thing to do. And I pray, Lord, that with that would come the blessing of your words of judgment in their lives. And that what is subjectively true in their lives would be informed by what is objectively eternally true from you. Lord, we need your transformation, and we need it through your spirit and through your word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.